The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. senior pastor, I felt like after about a year, uh, I had I would have used up pretty much all of my backlog of messages and it'd be over. And so I told God, if you know it's your call, but you're going to embarrass yourself because after a year I won't have nothing to say, and you're going I'm going to have to say you called me, and the church believes you called me, and I won't have nothing to say after a year, and I've stepped down, go back to what I was doing, and and. Uh, God has not let me down, and God has come. He's come over and over and over again, and I search his, uh, search his uh, mind and his face every, every week and ask him to give wisdom. Today is the uh, uh, four roadblocks to hell. I, I, don't know, I did not know who was going to be here this morning. I never do. When I'm, led, when I'm led to preach on this subject, I always am interested on who shows up and why they show up. Years ago, I had prayed for uh, a couple that I had been witnessing to and had known for many years. I had actually invited them to church on a regular basis for four years. On a regular basis, I had asked them to come to church for about four years. They never had come. Never had come. Now, one Sunday, I was led to preach my strongest sermon I've ever put together on hell, which is not this one. But the strongest sermon I ever put together on hell, I was led to preach. That sermon I can't preach without weeping through it. I had mo- tried to emotionally prepare myself to do that. I felt strongly that to do it. And when I was getting ready to get up, we had sung like we are here, and I got ready to get up to the pulpit. Uh, that person I prayed for for four years to come and never and did not go to church anywhere, by the way. It was a non-church person. Walked in the back door. And I said, God, no. That was the first thing I said. God, no. No. No, don't, no. You're not going to have them come today. This is the strongest, hardest. It's like preaching Matthew 23. I said, no. If you've never seen Jesus before, never heard Jesus before, and you preach on Matthew 20, if you were there for Matthew 23, wow. He's a rough man. But you know what? I said, Lord, you led me to do it. You know more than I know. I'm going to preach it every, every way I know how, and you'll give me grace to do it. And God moved in that. I baptized him and his kids. They got saved. Because sometimes we, you know what our trouble is? We try to think for God and not just believe God and just do what he asks us to do. I've, I've tried to quit thinking for God. 
I've had people come to me and say, I know this is right because I know how God thinks. You don't know how God thinks. His ways are above our ways as far as the heavens above the earth. Even though you may know the mind of Christ and you have the word, you do not, you cannot. I never wore a WWJD band on my hand. That is, what would Jesus do? Because you don't know in every individual situation what Jesus would do because you're not Jesus. You have his word, it helps guide you and it directs you, but you're not Jesus, so don't do WWJD. Uh, it's, it's arrogant at the least, it's arrogant, that you somehow know what Jesus would do. Now, if, if somebody attempts you to commit adultery, I know what Jesus would do, he wouldn't do it. Now that you can go with, but every, every action in life, no. Be careful about some of those fad things that come through. Take your Bibles. I have an, a little groundwork to lay here. This is a Bible study at the beginning, preaching at the end. By the way, that's Paul's method throughout the whole of Paul's uh, 13 epistles. Uh, you'll find that that's Paul's method. He lays the groundwork at the beginning. He does the doctrinal section and, and, and proves it. Then he goes into the application. Chapter after chapter after chapter, you'll see that. You'll see the, you'll see the doctrine laid, the application made. The doctrine laid, the application made. That's one way. I think it's a biblical way. There are many different ways to preach, by the way. Many different examples in the Bible. We try to do them all. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. I'm only going to read through verse 25. I'm not really preaching on this. This is not a parable. The name of Lazarus was mentioned. There's no parable that I know of that the name of an individual specifically is mentioned. Uh, a parable generally is a fictitious, earthly story that is to prove or teach a heavenly truth. Parables are fictitious human uh, earthly stories made up by Jesus to teach uh, a heavenly truth. Now, those stories that he tells called parables are true to life. They're not something that never happens, but they don't have people's specific names, and they don't have their fictitious stories made up to prove and to teach a heavenly truth. But this is not. This is different. In Luke chapter 16, I believe this is a window that we get to look through to a place called Hades and in, in your Bible, hell. In Luke 16, 19, it says, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and, and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell off, uh, from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. I've been told by reputable people that that will actually help your sores to heal. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels. How do you like that? Well, I like that. Into, into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell. These are Jesus' words now. People say to me sometimes, Jesus would never send anybody to hell. You're, you're absolutely in ignorance. And if I may add to that, you're in denial of what's real. You can go all the time and say, I don't believe there's a gospel Baptist church. You can say that the rest of your life, but there is a gospel Baptist church. You can say oh, your whole life, there is no hell, there is no hell, there is no hell. I know there's no hell, but the truth is there is a hell. And Jesus taught more about the place called hell than he taught about the place called heaven. If Jesus, the one who came and died for us on the cross and cared enough to give himself and put himself through the scourgings and all he went through and the mockings that be spit on and beaten, if he believed that keeping you from that place was worth what he went through, then that place must be a pretty bad place. Does it make sense to you? 
How bad is hell? Look at Calvary. How bad is hell? Look at the trouble he went through at Calvary to keep you from that place. You want to see the love of God? It's Calvary. And it came to pass, the rich man died, and he was buried, and it says, And in hell he lifted up his eyes, verse 23. Uh, I went through in prayer meeting, I believe it was, the various things that these passages teach us about after death. I can tell you this, from going through the passage of uh, Revelation chapter uh, 6, I believe it is 9 through 11, as well as this passage, I can tell you for sure that when you die, you do not cease to be conscious. In fact, I don't think you cease to be conscious, but maybe for about that long. Death is nothing but a door. You pass through it. Your body's left here, but your soul, which is who you are, passes on to another dimension. Totally conscious. The Bible does not teach of an unconsciousness, a non-awareness, a no-cognizant state on the other side of death. It does not teach that. For the Christian, it says to be absent with the Lord, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. But it also teaches that for those who reject Jesus and miss him. This man here lifted up his eyes. I didn't know he had eyes after death. Well, he could see, being in torments, and see it, uh, Abraham afar off. He may have had um, vision problems in earth. By the time he died, he may have had to have glasses to see far away off. But in hell, your eyes get corrected. And you can see you far away. And Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried. He had cognizance. He recognized who he was. He could think. He could reason. I don't have time to go through those. That's not this message. And he cried. That means he could talk. He could communicate. And said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus. He was used to giving orders because he was a rich man. He thought in hell people were going to obey him too, but he was wrong. That he might dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth good, thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Um, let's go to some other passages here in a minute. I'll take you to some I'm going to try to lay this groundwork. So, the Bible clearly teaches that there is a place called hell, that when people go there, they are conscious They can see, they can talk, they can reason. If you read on in that passage, they even care about the lost people that have not come there yet, not died yet. And somehow or another, the rich man understood he had five brothers that had not died yet. Who told him that? I don't know. But he had some sort of an awareness that he was there and they were there and they had not come to him yet. I believe that When you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your name is in the Lamb's book of life. I also believe if you reject Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this is from biblical teaching, that your name is blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. I personally believe that every human being that's ever been born, had any kind of cognizance or conscience, has their name written in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world, that's Bible, and that when they finally get past all of the roadblocks that God puts up to them to save them, and they somehow miss every one of them and reject that whole thing and die in their lost condition with their sin upon their soul, 
that someday a just God makes them answer for. That it will not be God who sent them because he died for them and made, by the grace of God, the best effort it could be made to, and I'll show you the four roadblocks in a moment, that to save them so they wouldn't go there. That their name is then blotted out or blotted off of this book called the Book of Life. I know this about the Bible, that if your name's written in the Book of Life, you get to go to heaven. If your name's writ- blotted out of the Book of Life, you go to a place called hell. Now you say, well, I don't, it don't make any difference whether you believe it or not. That's what the Bible says. If, if, if there is, let me say this about it. If there is no hell, there is no heaven. Okay? If there's no hell, there is no heaven. If the Bible is not correct in its teaching on hell, it could not be correct anything else it said because there's so much written on it, it just couldn't be reliable, and you need to throw the whole thing out at that point if it's not so. But if we're going to believe it, and we believe God did it, then we must accept it all as a truth. Luke chapter 10, I know you're not going to turn to these. Let me quote you a few that talk about the, the book of life. It says in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, Not was saying in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The context of that is the, the, uh, the disciples of Jesus had gone out. He had given them power. They had cast demons out. Demons were subject to them. I don't know about you. That would be impressive if demons were subject. If you could help people who were demon-possessed and you could cast a demon out and he obeyed you, that would be impressive. And you would come back to Jesus and you'd say, Woo, can you believe it? We went in this one village and these people were demon-possessed and they fell down before us said, Well, you come to torment us before the time. And you said, In the name of Jesus, be cast out of the person. And that person which was tormented by this demon now is in his right mind. He's clothed and, he, and he's sane again and he's able to function again. And his family's restored to him again. Oh, so many good things have happened. Oh, master, master. And Jesus says, Stop. He says, Uh, don't rejoice in that. Look at in Luke 10, 20, it says, Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not. not. Don't rejoice that the demons and the powers of the darkness were subject to you. He said, rejoice because your names are written in heaven. i got to ask you a question this morning. Is your name, do you know, do you have assurance, based on the words of Jesus, the words of God, that your name is written in heaven? Philippians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. Paul speaking with Clement also, and other of my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Again, in Revelation chapter 21, 27, there shall no wise enter into it, that is the city, the new Jerusalem, anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh an abomination or maketh a lie but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now take your Bibles and please turn to this passage, Revelation chapter 20, verse 14 and 15. This is a classical text, a proof text on hell. What happens after death to those who miss Jesus, who disbelieve in him, will not accept what God has placed as a roadblock to keep you from hell. You jump over each one of those roadblocks through life to where eventually you die without Christ. And, are, and by, by the way, it's not God's will that any should perish, the Bible says. 
But that all should come, the repentance. If you go to hell, uh, you go over these roadblocks that God has set for you in love. How much more could the Father do than send His only begotten Son for you? And allow Him to be beaten the way He was. Allow Him to be treated the way He was. Imagine the Roman soldiers as they were scourging Jesus Christ, the Creator of all that is. The angels of Gabriel and Michael standing by going, in a word, they could have destroyed those people and stopped that whole thing. They were waiting on Jesus to say something. That's why the Bible says, as a lamb before his shears, he was dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Because every word that Jesus spoke happened. He told the fig tree, no, he couldn't find figs. And I said, don't you bear figs anymore from here out. They went back to that fig tree and it was already withered. And they said, how is it that this fig tree is so soon withered? Because the creator of all that is spoke it, that's why. When he got up in the boat and said, peace, be still, the weather stopped. Immediately it became calm. Revelation 20, 14, 15 says, And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, remember that book of life? Lamb's book of life. Names written in heaven. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It's not God's will that any should perish. I believe God in mercy has written every person's name in the Lamb's book of life, except for a small group that worship the beast and take his mark. That group never was written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. The Bible is clear on that. But everybody else, which includes everybody prior to the tribulation, has her name written in the Lamb's book of life. He wants you to be saved today. He wants you to come to Christ. He wants you to miss what your sin will require Him to do to you. When a judge is in his judgment garb and on the bench, he's no longer an individual. He no longer has personal preferences. He no longer has family members. The statue of, of justice the statue is, 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 has a blindfold over her face. The Bible says if God's anything, He is not a respecter of persons. He shows no partiality, which any good judge would be required of them, right? I don't want to go to a judge who says, Hey, man, I know your family and I don't like them. The first roadblock that people go to and have to go through is the roadblock of creation. For people to go to hell and have their name blotted out of the book of life, they have to go through and past God's roadblock of creation. They have to go through it. Psalm 19, for your information, if you want to go there. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament, that's everything else that's made, showeth forth His handiwork. Day unto day, that means day after day, uttereth speech. That's communication. What is speech? It's communication. And night unto night showeth knowledge. 
at night I park my truck in my barn and I go 225 feet and I look up and I see the stars of heaven. I see the milk. I, and once in a while, once in a rare while, I get to see the Milky Way. Uh, we look through the Hubble telescope. We're, fin- we're, we're finding out things that we never even knew about, how many planets there are and how many universes there are. And all I can say, my God keeps getting bigger and bigger with time. In verse 3 it says, there is no speech, it's communication or language, where their voice is not heard. You say, what about the Africa? What about the darkest reaches? They can look up and see the sky, the sun and the moon, and cause and effect reasons with them and says, this cause, this effect has to have a cause. This effect has to have a maker. There must be an intelligent creator, a father. Verse 4, their line has gone out through all the earth. Their words, that's communication, to the end of the world. And them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Creation cries forth a sermon every moment of every day and night. Here's what it cries. There is a God. That's one thing it says. The second thing it says is, he made all of this and you. The third thing it says is, he is going to hold you accountable and responsible for your actions. You say, Brother Bill, what in the world? Where do you get that from? Because I tell you, how do you explain all the pyramids in Peru? How do you explain all the pyramids in Egypt? How do you explain all the shrines all over the world where they burnt their children and they slew people? In one Aztec shrine, they broke the code of the language and it said on that thing that they, in one day, slew 40,000 people and bled their, their blood down those to, to, to make atonement to the sun god. What is the whole idea of all that is that the people feel they've offended God. Inherent in their heart, they feel they have offended God. And in their ignorance, not knowing Christ, not knowing what God's done for them, they begin to kill their children and offer their children in the fire and all these other things. To do what? To atone for their sin. Why? Because they inherently understand that they someday are going to face this maker and it ain't going to be good. Fourth thing they learn is he is powerful enough to carry out whatever he wants. What does the firmament in the heavens declare? It declares God is powerful. He's able to do whatever he wants to do. Brother and sister, you will have to break through, bust through the roadblock of the witness of creation before anyone goes to hell. Secondly, before a person goes to hell, they will have to bust the roadblock of the Bible. This book, Isaiah 118, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as wool, Though white as snow, excuse me, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. This book promises redemption. This book's theme, from one, from Genesis to the book of Revelation, the last chapter 22, the book is rede- the book talks and screams about redemption. 
You want to know why the devil tries to do everything he can do to keep you from this book? Because this is the very mind of God. This reveals the Savior to you. This reveals your condition to you. This reveals your your peril without God, and it instructs you on how to get to God. It is a living It is a living word. It is not a stagnant word. It is a written word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. His name was Jesus. We beheld his glory, that of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. You're going to go to hell. You have to get past the Bible. You have to jump over Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, or Colossians, Philippians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st Timothy, Titus, 2nd Timothy, Philemon, Hebrews, James. You have to jump over 1st Peter and 2nd Peter. You have to jump over 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. You have to jump over Jude. You have to jump over the book of Revelation. You got to jump over the words of God, brother. It ought to tip you off that when you get resisted on reading the Bible, that may be a good thing. You with me? The forces of darkness are doing everything they can to keep you people from reading the Bible. How do I know that? Because I pray for you every week back there on Saturday night, and you that have signed up to read your Bible through, I go over your name, and I look that thing, the 66 books, and I see one dot. Now let's see, this is what? what? What month is this? This May, you are way behind. I just, I just marked, just counted, went through every name last night. There's 46 people on that board back there that are desperately behind. You say, brother, that's a strong word. No, it's not as strong as I want to say. You know what your problem is? You don't. Believe. You don't believe. I don't have time, preacher. Hogwash. You got the time. How many hours TV you watch a week? How many hours of reading newspaper and Time magazine and popular mechanics and popular science, readers digest? How much do you do everything else? You got the time. But what I'm gonna say, you say, brother, better be mean to me. Are you kidding? I am your best friend right now. Brother, sister in Christ, 46 of you are desperately behind. Trust me when I tell you this through the years, praying through that list, those who don't read their Bible have trouble. And you people that haven't been reading your Bible this year, trouble is around the corner for you. It is on the way, and you don't. Why would God send trouble? So you'll read your Bible. Trouble comes, wakes you up, shakes you up, you go back to the Word of God saying, man, I may need the Bible. Yes. What do you just got to be beat up? Through the years, I have prayed over that board for as long as we've had it, and I have seen patterns develop. I'm telling you, patterns develop. People who don't read their Bible have trouble. People who do have their Bible have trouble, but they deal well with it. You with me? The people who don't read their Bible have trouble and don't deal well with it. The people who read their Bible have trouble, but they deal well with it. Because this is the informational book on how, first of all, not only how to deal with trouble, how to stay away from it. Glory to God. 
when the old strange woman comes by me with her wet lips and honey dripping off of her lips, and she says, oh, baby, I look at her like a demon from hell. Because all that's behind that is pain. Why? The roadblock of the Bible. If you go to hell, you'll have to go over the roadblock of the Bible. You'll have to get by all of the books of the Bible. The Bible's everywhere. It's being put everywhere. Listen, listen to what God says. Turn ye, at my, turn ye from my, your evil ways and from your evil doings, but they did not hear nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. Zechariah 1.4, Ezekiel 33.11 says, As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? There was an infidel at one time said that there's one thing in my life that mars all of the pleasures that I'm trying to do. Another friend of his said, well, what in the world would that be? He says... I'm afraid that the Bible might be true. If I knew for certain that there is no nothing past death, I would be happy and have joy in the sin and abandoned pleasure that I'm seeking. But there's a thorn that continually sticks me as I'm doing these things, and that sword, that thorn, thorn pierces my very soul. And it is, if the Bible is true, I am lost forever in a place called hell. The third roadblock that God has placed up must be, if you go to hell, you're going to have to go by God's called preachers. You're going to have to go by God's called preachers. History is strewn with the dead bodies of countless men of God who have sounded the warning, flee from the wrath to come. I heard criticism by this generation, this pleasure-loving, easy-on-themselves generation. I've heard complaints that the old preachers were so negative. All they wanted to preach about is hell and flee from the wrath to come. They were your best friends. Man, they were your best friends. I sat under them boys. They weren't negative all the time. This is not so. But brother, on a regular basis, they got up and warned us there is a hell to be shunned and a heaven to be gained. A friend tells you the truth. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, Jesus' words, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and you would not? He said, I've sent people to you, Jerusalem. And let me tell you, God sends these preachers. God called men all over the world through these years. He says it in Jeremiah. He says, um, I spake unto you, rising up early and speaking, but you heard not, and I called you, but you answered not. Jeremiah 35, 15 says, I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Repent ye now, every man from his evil way, amend your doings, 
Go not after other gods to serve them, and you shall dwell in the land, and I will be given to you of your fathers, and incline, I will climb my ear unto you. He sent his prophets rising up early and sending. The fourth roadblock that one must go through to go to a place called hell are friends and relatives, employees, employers, and strangers that tell you to escape the wrath that's to come? How many churches in a person's lifetime do they drive by that have the gospel plan there that they could pull in? I can't, when I used to stay here at the office, one of my blessings here being here at the office was people coming by and saying, Brother Bill, I need to talk to you. I'm under conviction. Just last week, I had a young man come in and tell me, I need to talk to you after I get done doing some work here. I need to talk to you. And that man talked to me about being saved and how he's needed a soul. And and so he asked Jesus to save him. Just coming by a church, just looking at a sign. I've had guys come in here and say, I'm here because you say you're Bible believing, because you say the book's important. I want to hear the truth. How many churches people drove by? Nobody ever told me about Jesus. How many churches people driven by? How many billboards have they looked at? We used to have a billboard that says, Except you repent, you shall likewise perish. We had it up there, 55,000 people, they tell me, a day drive by that billboard, and we had it up for over a year and a half. Except you repent, you shall likewise perish. How many times have you been in North Carolina, South Carolina, and seen those boards? Repent or perish. I've driven a lot of the United States, a lot of the back roads of the United States on a motorcycle. And I've seen billboards and boards and signs and placards and, and, and little things. And I just rejoice every time I think. I think God's warning people. He cares about you. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He's put a roadblock up there. Don't go to hell. Don't go to hell. Repent or perish. How many signs have people gone by? How many radio programs they listen to? They've turned off. I had an old, uh, I think it was uh, Kathy's grandfather, who got cancer, hard as a rock, didn't they want to hear about the gospel, got cancer, couldn't sleep, started being up at 2 in the morning, turned the radio on, some old people, people say, nobody listens to them old preachers screaming and yelling at 2 in the morning. He said to me, I went over and I, before this, you couldn't talk to him about Jesus, he just, well, he was, they were cussing, drinking, acting ugly folks, man, they just didn't want anything to do with God. And Kathy here this morning, we went up there. Yeah, we remember we went up there, and he dropped me to table. You took old Helen to the side, and he got me to table. and says, I want to talk to you. He said, I've been listening to these preachers on, on the radio, and I'm, I, I, I think i got a problem. I said, oh, you do? How many radio, how many TV programs? That, I mean, I know there's some wackos on TV. There's wackos on the radio. There's wackos everywhere. My brothers, in mixed in with all them wackos, there's some truth. People that are true. How many good TV programs been out there with enough gospel for people to be saved? How many newspaper ads have they gone through and seen the gospel and they didn't believe? Years ago, we got some churches together and we put the simple plan of salvation in one full page. It cost $4,500 to run one day. According to the news press, they said we reached 155,000 people that day. How many gospel tracks, brother, have they picked up in their clothes? I just heard another complaint this week. I don't know why they call us. 
I'm getting tired of, we're getting tired of finding gospel tracks in our clothes. I said, you take that up with the people who are doing it. If you can catch them. I bought, I, I can't remember all the stories I've told, but I bought two or three items, looked in there, and there's a gospel track from Gospel Baptist. Once in a while, I'll go to the mall or go someplace. I don't go to the mall, but I go to one of these places around here, and I go out to my truck, and somebody puts a gospel track in my window. I'm thinking if they look at my bumper, they know I'm saved. How many, how many tracks they've gone by? How many John 3.16 signs at, at baseball games, football games, when they kick a goal, guys stand at some crazy guy with a season ticket, gets a ticket at the goal line, which is a terrible place to sit in. A terrible place to sit behind the goal on the end of the field. But they do it. When they hold this sign up, John 3.16, I was in a welding place getting something welding. This big old boy, I mean, I remember he towered over me. He had shoulders that wide. He towered over me in one of them leather welding things with a leather hat, put halfway up, had dirt on him, looked old nasty, looked like he could kill you with one hand. And he came up to me and he goes, hey, what's that? I said, I had my John 3.16 shirt on. It said John 3.16. He said, what is that? I see that all over the place, football game. But what is that? I've never seen that before. I said, you never went to Sunday school? No. You ever went to church? No. I said, that means for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus died for I gave to give the boy the gospel. He probably never let anybody talk to him before. How many of those people have gone by? It's a roadblock to hell. When people go to hell, it will be over all these roadblocks and so many more that I haven't mentioned. It will be the, the flashing blue lights and the sirens sounding out warnings and no avail. God has put creation out there to witness for himself. He's put the Bible out there to witness for himself in every form it's put. He's put preachers out there. He calls specifically to rise up early and go. He calls you as, as born-again believers going to the world and preach a gospel to every creature. He puts hundreds and hundreds of other ways out there so people will not go to hell. And so that they eventually can, by the by grace of God, realize they were a sinner, are sinners unable to save themselves by any amount of good works, and simply fall at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, who they believe was buried, they believe was crucified, was buried, and the third day rose again from the dead. And in simple childlike faith, they say, Jesus, save me. God bursts them into his family and he takes and he doesn't blot their name out of the book of life. He goes, Whoa, there's another one in the book of life. We can leave it there. Have you responded to the love of God? Have you? If you haven't, why don't you do it today? At this invitation time in a minute, as we get ready to play, the folks come up here and we're going to play an invitation. You can have a moment. You can come up here and we'll take you from here. We'll go to a room one-on-one, -on -one, show you what we mean what it is to be saved. No Christ is your Savior. We'll take 10 minutes. Just like that young man that came to me and talked to me on Monday. Why don't you trust Jesus? He said, Brother Bill, I've trusted Jesus. I believe I'm saved. Then why don't you believe him? Why don't you know the book? Why don't you read it? Why don't you inundate yourself with it? Why don't you bathe in it? So that you can be more like Christ and keep you from the, when the troubles of life come, you'll know what to do. And God will be with you.
you come. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you'd anoint this message, the roadblocks that God has placed to stop people from going to hell and to make it where he does not as a just judge someday because of their sin have to blot their name out of the book of life. And death and hell were cast in a lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in a lake of fire. Oh, dear one, don't join the rich man that's been there now for almost 2,000 years. And there's no more hope for him to be freed today than there was the first day he lifted up his eyes being in torment. And there will be no more hope because there's a, the hell is a place of no hope. You don't have to go there. It don't have to be for you. But you need to get serious with God. Not play with it, not mess with it, but be serious with God and say, God, I give you myself. I believe Jesus died. I want to, I want to know more. You'll not worry about embarrassment. You'll not worry about what people think. If it's real with you, you're just going to break through all of that and come on down, let people talk to you about Jesus, pray with you, help you. Father, we pray that you come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This hand has led through shadows dream and while Oh